Good morning, everyone. Welcome to God's house for worship today, where the focus of our readings and the, the Word of God in the sermon is the Word of God works powerfully, but when you see it work so powerfully, it, it does it in such a humble way to, to reach God's goals. We'll study that more coming up. Our, our service is also a special one today in that those blue hymnals in front of you, this is our first time using them. And so we have a rite of dedication at the beginning of our service. And so we bypass the opening hymn and continue right with it. Let's worship the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We gather today to dedicate our new hymnals. Gracious Father, we know you desire to be with us. You delight in hearing the prayers and praise of your people. We thank you for your many gifts, for language, for music, and for the liturgy as a setting for your marvelous grace in baptism, in holy communion and in the proclamation of your word. Lord, you gifted the many people who helped prepare this book. Their service to you and to us is a rich blessing. For those who have labored diligently in developing this worship book, for those who use their time and ability to assist our worship, for those who lead us in worship, for singers and all other musicians, for those who prepare your house each week for talent with flowers, banners, and all other arts. We Lord, we confess that we have not put our hearts and minds into worship as you desire. Forgive our sins of approaching you too casually, carelessly, infrequently, or without concentration on your presence in worship. Bless our use of old songs and forms that we more deeply recognize our connection with your people of all times and the value of their contribution to our worship. Bless Bless us as we receive your priceless gifts and express our faith to you and to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. May others who do not yet know you learn something of your love and power through all we do here. To your glory, O Lord, and for the edification of your holy people, we dedicate these hymnals in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We turn in those hymnals to hymn 302. You'll notice the hymns are not printed in the, in the bulletin any longer.
Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment both now and in eternity, but I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given His only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for all of our sin. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ, and by His authority alone, I forgive you all of your sin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. your power, O Lord, and come. Come by your protection that we may be rescued from the threatening perils of our sins and be saved by your mighty deliverance. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. First lesson this morning from Jeremiah 33. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise 
I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. The word of the Lord. Second lesson from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 serves as a basis for the sermon. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. This too is the word of the Lord. Alleluia. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. Alleluia. Gospel according to Luke 19. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This is the Gospel of the Lord. in the creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. 
He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and His kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated for the hymn of the day. Savior Jesus, dear fellow believers. There's uh, one of these good old songs where the, the verse in the song goes like this. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. If you know the, the lyrics of that song, or if you look it up later today, the singer of that song wasn't real happy with his circumstances in life. But the reason I didn't do introductions to the readings today is because I wanted you to see it in the sermon. In each of the readings that we had today, there's something incredible for people just like that. For people who are stuck, stuck in sin and who have no way out, no recourse. In each of these readings, there's something incredible God wants you to see that jumps off the pages in the first lesson that we had from Jeremiah. God promises to send somebody who's upright and just. And where David was, a, the line of David was this huge tree that had been cut down. It looks like it's dead. It looks like nothing's going on there. And now here comes something little and insignificant. 
a little shoot, a little branch that comes out of that stump, something that you'd overlook or think was worthless, but that stump, from that stump, that little branch is going to help those who are stuck in sin. That's the one who's going to save us by being upright and just. Now, for what you know of people in the world who aren't upright and just, every one of us, to see somebody like that come and do the work of God and carry out the will of God, that would have been incredible to see, especially knowing it's for your salvation. And so then our gospel lesson, here comes Jesus as that one promised. Exactly what Jeremiah was talking about. Here he comes riding into Jerusalem, but he doesn't come with chariots and horses the way kings in the past did, the way the heathen Gentile nations did with pomp and circumstance. Sure, there was some celebration, but he comes on a donkey. Who goes into battle on a donkey? Who plans to win a war riding a donkey? Nobody I know, nobody else on the pages of history. And so Jesus comes to his city, to his people, saying, I'm your guy. I'm the one here willing to lay my life down, who's upright and just, who's going to offer himself for those stuck in sin. Man, that would have been incredible to see. And in our second lesson, the sermon text for today, Paul was stuck. And he desperately needed to see something. It was the early 50s AD. He's on his second missionary journey. He had been traveling west through Turkey or Asia Minor, saw the vision of the Macedonian man, crosses the sea and goes into the Greek peninsula. He's winding his way down the coast. He goes through Philippi and he comes to a city called Thessalonica, an important city, where he goes to the synagogue and he talks the gospel for three Sabbaths, three Saturdays, that's it. And he had great success. The Lord blessed it. A large number of people believed, including some prominent people. The leader of the synagogue named Jason believed. But this brought the ire and the envy of the Jews and the locals. And so they formed a mob and they started persecuting the church, and they went after Jason. It, it got out of control. And so Paul humbly had to leave. The people there forced him to go on, so he does. He goes down to Berea. During the persecution, he goes down to the next city, and he had success there. The Bereans were of more noble character. They searched the scriptures and double-checked Paul, but then that same mob came from Thessalonica, heard Paul was there, and they trashed his ministry there and forced him to leave again where he had to head south to Athens. So he's really 0 for 2. You can imagine Paul as he leaves that second city of Berea that he's wondering, what, well, what's going on in Thessalonica? How are those believers doing? Are, are they holding firm? Are there only a few left? Was the whole thing a disaster? Did the whole thing go under? And it would be weeks, if not months, before he found out. Finally, finally, after all this time passes, word comes to him and he hears about how that congregation did. They're surviving. They're not just holding firm to the word, they're reaching out with the word. They're, they're bringing others in under intense persecution 
they're still bringing others in from their community to Christ. God is blessing that congregation. You can imagine the apostles' emotions as he goes from this low of, was the whole thing a disaster? Was that church going to implode? Was my time just wasted there for nearly a month? To finally hearing, they're doing great. But you don't have to imagine what his emotions are because he tells you in this text. He says, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of God because of you? There's a lot going on there. He's in the presence of God as he's saying these words. What does that mean? It means he's praying. When you pray to the Lord, you are standing in the presence of the king and you are talking face to face with the Lord. And so Paul is praying. This entire section is really a prayer. He's praying to the Lord at hearing this great news about the Thessalonian church still thriving and holding firm and reaching out with the gospel. He has tremendous joy at seeing that sight of what's going on there and it focuses him all the more to the Lord and he's saying, Lord... Thanks aren't enough. I could give you endless thanks and it would never be enough for what you did for this congregation at Thessalonica. The same gospel, the same gospel that was promised in Jeremiah, the same gospel that Jesus fulfilled when he offered himself to his people in the gospel lesson is the same gospel that these Thessalonians were holding firm to and keeping close and reaching out with. This was amazing to the Apostle Paul as he knew he had to duck out and leave that city because his own life would have been at stake and he had more missionary work to do. He knew they had to stay. Those people didn't have a choice to leave. Their jobs were there. Their families were there. They had to stay and stick it out. And yet, they weren't stuck. They weren't surrounded by jokers and clowns. They were surrounded by godless persecutors who were coming after them and wanting to take their businesses and their lives. And yet, they weren't stuck. They were holding to the gospel, treasuring it, and thriving in it. And God was blessing them by it. This was something incredible to see. And yet, thanks would never be enough to God for what he was seeing. But even though Paul had tremendous thanks, he knew that three Saturdays with that congregation, founding and establishing them, doing a, a three-week crash course in who Christ was and what he fulfilled from the Old Testament, that just was not enough. They needed growth in God's word. They needed to hear more about Christ. And so Paul lovingly and gently says to them, night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. It's not that they weren't believers. It's not that they didn't know who Jesus was. This congregation, they had saving faith in Jesus Christ. They would have died, they would have gone to heaven. That's what saving faith is. Trusting Jesus for your forgiveness and eternal life. 
But Paul is saying more is needed. There's a lack here. We only had a short time and there is more room for you to grow in Christ. And it's essential that you have this. You need further Bible study. The Apostle Paul doesn't tell us what doctrinal things he had in mind, but we understand that based on the persecution that they were facing, based on the other things going on in their life, and then even wanting them to stand firm to the end, they needed to be grounded further and their faith to be fed more if they were going to hold firm to the end. And so that's what Paul does. He prays for this night and day. We want you to have this. One of the things that stands out from this is saving faith in Jesus is a studious faith. Saving faith desires to be fed. It desires to grow. It wants to cling to Jesus more. In fact, Paul said that same thing to the Ephesians. He said that's the reason why God gives called workers to churches. That's why he sends pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we reach unity and attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's what God wants for a congregation. Why did Paul pray this? Why did Paul ask the Lord to do this? Night and day we pray this, he said. Why didn't he just say directly to the Thessalonians, look, I can't wait to visit you again where we get to study God's word better and dig in deeper because there's more that I have to share with you and there's more that you need to know. Why didn't he just say it directly to them? Why did he say it to the Lord? It's because it's the Lord who would make that visit possible. Persecution had flared up. Satan had, had climbed into the situation and driven a wedge between the apostle and between the congregation and with as long as that persecution stayed ongoing the apostle couldn't return and so we needed God to intervene Lord make a way forward for us God did answer that prayer Paul was able to return but but it would take years You know, brothers and sisters, it doesn't have to be that long for you. It doesn't have to be years before you grow. The Lord has given to this congregation pastors and teachers who are equipped, who are ready to serve you in whatever way you lack and to strengthen you with God's word. That's what we're here for, to prepare you for service, to build you up in the body, to bring unity to this congregation, to help this congregation flourish and go forward? Who is it that's standing in your way? What obstacle has Satan caused to be placed between you and your Bible study, between you and called workers, so that you continue to lack in certain ways and you aren't growing. What is stopping Paul's prayer from taking place right now for this congregation and for each of us individually that's stopping us from growing? I can tell you it's not the humble gospel that's stopping us. What prevents people from growing in Christ 
is when we get stuck in sin with an arrogant attitude that thinks we know enough or that thinks we don't need to know anymore and thinks we don't have room to grow. Oh, pastor, and I've heard all of these things right around here. It's another hour. But I, I like to go and do other stuff on Sunday morning. Can't you be a Christian and not go to church? You can believe in Jesus, right? That's just enough. That's all you need. That's not what Paul is saying to these people. Certainly Jesus is all you need. And yet, knowing Jesus, we want more. We want to grow. And so this section of Scripture leads us to say, watch it. Be very careful. Where God reveals Jesus to you and his word is something incredible, as something essential for your faith, as something that supplies everything we lack, as something that prepares us to be firm and ready for the day Christ comes, and to stand in his presence holy and blameless, This is not something we ever marginalize or minimize. This is not something we sell short. This is not something we throw to the wayside and treat with contempt. There's a prayer for that, for, for all of us who have done that, and we have. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. And supply my lack. And by this powerful gospel and by his almighty word, he does both. By this gospel, the Lord Jesus has mercy on sinners and forgives them all of their sin. By this gospel and by his word, he supplies our lack and causes us strength, gives us strength to stand firm and to hold firm and to carry out his work to the end. Look at Paul's closing prayer. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. That's what the gospel does. Just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts. That's what the gospel does. So that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God. He's not just looking at, I want you to be able to stand firm against the persecutors, the jokers and the clowns in Thessalonica. I want you to stand firm as God's holy people in the presence of God when he stands on this earth. That's what the gospel does. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. He did that with the Thessalonians after just three Saturdays. And they were thriving as a congregation. They were excited for the word. They couldn't wait for Paul to come back to share more of God's word with them. They were reaching out. Something incredible to see. Today is Advent 1. That's why we have the first candle lit. Which means this is the start of a new church year. This church year goes from today all the way through next year Thanksgiving, 2022. And so... In about six to eight months, I don't know the exact date when we're going to do it yet, but this church year, we are going to celebrate 160 years. Not three Saturdays, 160 years as a congregation. That's something incredible too. 
with this gospel and with this mighty word of God that we have before us and among us, with called workers ready to prepare us to serve God and his people and our community. Living Nativity this weekend too, great way to serve. May God make our faith grow and supply our lack. May he make our love increase and overflow for God, for one another, and for this community. May he bring us confidence that our sins are forgiven, to stand firm in this faith. And with such a thing, with such strength, how far do you think we're going to go? If that happened to the Thessalonians in just three weeks, how far will we go with this almighty word. By the grace of God, what I do know is that he is going to make us something incredible to see, just like he did those Thessalonians. That's my prayer. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God which surpasses our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, surprise, we have more than two. Um, so only two are printed in the bulletin, but we've had more finish the Bible information class and they wanted to come along. So we'll introduce them in, in turn. Dear members of St. Paul's, Garrett Barber has been baptized and instructed in the teachings of God's word and desires to become a member of this congregation today by adult confirmation. And then his wife, Amber, she has been a Wells uh, member your whole life, Amber? for your whole life and just wants to transfer to our congregation and uh, profess unity of faith with you. And then we have Sandy and Doris here, Sandy Bonnet and Doris Lowersdorf, who finished the Bible information class and are professing their unity of faith with you as well. And then Mike as well, Mike Berg finished the, uh, yep, you, when did you finish? A couple months ago? Yeah, a couple months ago, but just wanted to stand up today too and profess his unity of faith with you. And so, your brothers and sisters in Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, professes to confess before his Father in heaven those who faithfully confess him on earth. You've come before this Christian congregation to declare your faith and to unite with us in Christian love and fellowship. Therefore, lift up your hearts, that just means be honest with God, to the God of all grace and joyfully answer these questions. 
Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If so, answer, I do. Do you believe that the teachings of the Evangelical Lutheran Church, as you've learned to know it from Luther's Catechism in your Bible information class, is faithful and true to the Word of God? If so, answer, I do. Do you intend to continue steadfast in the true Christian faith, to be diligent in the use of God's Word and sacraments, and to lead a godly life, even to death? If so, answer, I do, and I ask God to help me. Will you support with your prayers, time, talents, and offerings the work our Lord has given to this congregation? If so, answer, I will, and I ask God to help me. Having heard your promises, we, the members of St. Paul's Evangelical Lutheran Church, receive you in fellowship and love and invite you to share in our worship and mission in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Welcome to all of you. Let me shake your hands. I don't have a mic. Did, did any of you want to... Say, why don't you at least turn around and let the congregation see each of you? Amber? So let me just say for Garrett here that he has been the easiest Christian person I've ever had to work with because he took the confirmation class through a Wells pastor in Fond du Lac. He finished the course there and then he knew that they were looking for a home, so he didn't get confirmed at that church because they wanted to join the church and be confirmed at the church they'd be permanent at. So they found a home on the southwest corner of Howard's Grove. And uh, so he showed up on our doorstep and said, I'm ready to be confirmed. And I didn't have to do a thing. <laughs> so, but welcome to all of you. And if you'd like to join after the service, uh, just shaking hands and greeting people at the end. A lot of names, wonderful people here to learn, but it's a great family of, of believers to grow with Christ with. So God's blessings and welcome to all of you. You may return to your seats. Thank you. Please stand. Heavenly Father, lead us into your word so that you lead us into your presence. Let your gospel shape us into something incredible to see that we're people set apart in Christ and joyfully serving Christ no matter the obstacles. Lord, we thank you for bringing all of these new members to our congregation. Uh, Sandy, Doris, Garrett, Amber, Mike. Prosper all of these people and bless them here and us by them. Finally, please watch over Randy Wehrman this Friday as he undergoes knee replacement surgery, granted success, and bring him safely through to praise you and serve you with his newfound health. It's in your name we pray as we join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. The Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, 
which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Thank you.